content. What do you picture when you hear the word content? Content is kind of like the Tupperware of the internet. It's not really descriptive of anything so much as a container. It's a blog post, a video, a podcast, and these are all delivery vehicles of actual value. And make no mistake, it's the actual value that other people are after. They don't care about the container, they want the stuff inside. So why the actual heck do brands and businesses spend so little time focused on the stuff inside their content? Instead, they often start by focusing on the distribution, or the number of pieces, or the channels, or the technology. If, if you're starting there, I, I, I'm just not under, I, I It's like very unclear to me how you identify your North Star, right? <laughs> um, it just seems really cart before the horse. The, the harder part is, is, is nailing what that brand and editorial identity is. This is Julie Kim, and she and her team put the horse first. They focus on the insides of what they create. And it must be working, since the company that Julie works for is the fastest growing business app of all time. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I am so sick of all the average content marketing out there. In a world full of average, I think the path to doing more exceptional stuff is to trust what makes you an exception. In other words, trust your intuition. It's unthinkable. I think there's really effective content marketing, but there are also is probably more content marketing out there that is not doing the work that it's supposed to. And so, um, yeah, you could like tweak something in your distribution strategy, but in my mind, I think, <laughs> like in my mind, it really starts with that foundation of having something to say and in a voice and a format that you know will emotionally resonate with people. Julie is the director of content and editorial for Slack, the business chat and communication platform that has exploded across the globe. After one year, they'd reached 500,000 daily users. Just four months later, 1.7 million. And now they've gone shooting past 5 million users every single day. The company has grown its user base 350% year over year, and it's now worth an estimated $4 billion dollars. And they seem to do it all by embracing the simple but hard thing, by providing the best possible experience in their product and their content. Really, it comes down to one thing, and that is the fact that we aim to be clear, concise, and human in everything that we do. That sounds fairly simple and straightforward, but in the B2B software SaaS space, it is quite differentiating. Mm -hmm. The company's product copy, viewed by over 60,000 teams every month, reflects that thinking. Their social, followed by over half a million people, reflects that thinking. Their widely loved blog, their podcast, which is so good it's syndicated to satellite radio, every single thing about Slack shows that they care about the stuff inside the container. But I'd say above all, no matter what we're doing, whether it's putting out a podcast story or 
commissioning a white paper or responding to customer questions on Twitter. Uh, the bottom line is that we are always speaking and writing in a voice that is clear, concise, and human. We see this all the time. The brands that we admire as marketers tell the brands we volunteer to spend time with as consumers. They all have these wonderful experiences, from single lines of copy that took almost no time at all, all the way up to their biggest viral hits. And their results are massive, just like Slack's. So if that's what we admire, why don't we spend more time thinking about the insides of the stuff we create? I think people get caught up in the fact that they think the medium is the message. That's Andrew Davis. I think they feel like today you've got to be everywhere and you've got to, you know, if you don't have a podcast, you're behind the times because they're exploding right now. And where's your podcast? Um, and I think that external pressure really forces you to think that you're missing out on something everybody else is succeeding in instead of trying to determine what's the best way to tell the story to inspire the action you're trying to inspire in the audience you want to take on a journey. Andrew is a keynote speaker and best-selling author, and he got his start learning story in television. And I actually started in front of the camera. When I was a kid, I was a childhood actor. He did commercials for brands like McDonald's and Chevrolet and later moved behind the scenes. And I, you know, I worked for the Today Show as a producer. Um, I wrote for Charles Kuralt on his last television show. If you don't know who Charles Kuralt is, he's worth looking up. He's an amazing storyteller um, in, in television uh, and just really takes people on a journey. And I learned a ton from him about telling great stories. Uh, and then I worked for the Jim Henson Company at the Muppets, working on movies and television shows like Sesame Street and movies like Elmo and Grouchland and Muppets from Space. And not their finest work, by the way, but, <laughs> but uh, worked on that. He then moved into marketing, where he built and sold a successful agency. Throughout it all, Drew has focused most of his efforts on the stuff inside the content that he or his clients have created. I think the stuff inside is what really matters. It, you know, the, if, if you come up with the great meat <laughs> inside, then it really doesn't matter the medium or the mode you deliver it in all become choices, creative choices that you can make instead of coming at it in the reverse. And, you know, they can even be production constraints. I mean, you know, Unthinkable is a great podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, thank uh, you. And it could be a great television show, but that's a, that you know, and I can see it as a television show. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but you know, I think I think uh, it right now you can let the audience listen and imagine the story, and tomorrow you can show them the same story, and it'll it'll be a very different show, but the ideas will still be the same. And just as most organizations are rigorous and invested in the marketing of their stuff, Andrew knows that the same amount of rigor and investment and thinking can apply to the inside stuff in a very structured way. You're someone who's actually got a lot of techniques that you've pulled out from TV, writing books, et cetera, <laughs> that I've learned a lot from. Like, I think yeah. my, my favorite one that you talk about is a hook. Uh, what is a hook? A hook is a simple twist on a familiar theme that's designed to ensnare or entrap your audience. Um, and it is something in television that I learned 
firsthand. I, I used to pitch TV shows in the late 90s. Um, Jim Costco, my business partner, and I, before we started the agency, we actually tried to spend a lot of time in LA pitching TV shows. And, you know, ironically, television networks don't want unbelievably new and creative ideas. They actually want a simple twist on a familiar theme that's designed to ensnare and trap your audience. They want something that's close enough to what has been successful in the past, but new enough that it feels like it's a, a big change. And when you learn that a hook can be applied in any kind of content, it starts to really open up the opportunities to building a real relationship with the audience right. um, and creating something that they truly get addicted to. How about a donut? That's another one of your techniques oh, that you've explained to you before. <laughs> so the donut I learned when we were creating lots of promo videos for, you know, like nightly news programs. And the donut is basically where you have like video graphics at the beginning that say like, hey, tonight at 5 p.m. on on today's news. And then there's a hole uh, that needs to be filled with some content. And then at the end of the 30 second spot, there's animation and music again. And it says, so tune in at five o'clock. So the donut is essentially the regular piece of the puzzle that you know, consistently is delivered. And the whole is what you have to fill with new, unique content, you know, time after time. And I mean, if you think of that as a, you know, a, a, your email newsletter as, as being a donut, uh, it starts to actually change the kind of email newsletter you might send. And it actually makes life a lot easier, but also provides real consistency for the audience in, in a way that they really do appreciate. So how do we do this? I think the first step is really to decide what's the story you want to tell not once but over and over again like what's the structure of the story and that's something i learned from charles corral like you know he essentially told these really great americana stories and was really really good at it and the format for his stories is always pretty much the same um and that's what people fall in love with they fall in love with the beats in a story um, that take them on a journey and charles corral was a stickler for kind of sticking with his format um, you know, introduce me to a person and take me to their place and let me see where they work. Um, tell me what it feels like to be there. Like these are all elements that fit into that story. And he consistently delivered that story for decades on CBS. Now the, the actual story changed obviously week to week, but the, the big beats, the big moments in the story were exactly the same. And that's what led to the success. And so if you deconstruct any story you want to tell, um, like, uh, you know, if you like Anthony Bourdain, which I know you do, Jay, um, then <laughs> yep. watching a bunch of Anthony Bourdain episodes and deconstructing how he consistently tells the same kinds of stories uh -huh. over and over again um, is a format. And that that just means if you want to tell case studies like Anthony Bourdain for your company, then just follow the same beats that Anthony Bourdain does every time you tell a story and they'll be unbelievably different. They'll be memorable and your audience will fall in love with them. By the way, that has a hook because it's it's essentially boring business case studies combined and told as if they were Anthony Bourdain's um, and already it's different and unique. So what, what do you think changes for an organization if they were to think this way, if they were to start with kind of like the inside stuff and then try to then decide the best delivery vehicle? I think what changes is the, the all the questions you have about should we create a podcast or should we write blog posts or do we need a better email newsletter are answered for you when you start with the, con the content and not worry about the container. 
Julie Kim and Slack start with the story they want to tell. Then they figure out the best medium to deliver it. For instance, Julie attended a conference once where a speaker talked excitedly about how artificial intelligence would be the most disruptive force to how all humans work in the next five years. There, there are a lot of different angles in to the topic of, of AI. And so one thing that we did is after that conference, started thinking about different stories that we could commission getting at this theme of AI and how it might help people help working people and augment human ingenuity and creativity versus replacing it. You know, there is a lot, there are a lot of doomsday scenarios out there, mostly fueled by Hollywood <laughs> that are creating this fear in people's minds. Right. Right. So they had something to say. It wasn't just let's write a blog post. And it also wasn't let's write about AI. They started with that one consistent story that they wanted to tell regardless of the medium. One was a Q&A with Kevin Kelly, who was one of the fire, uh, I think self-identifies now as a futurist and was one of the founders of, of, of Wired. And, you know, he, he takes a, a really optimistic view when it comes to the commingling of technology in general, but specifically machine learn, learning and AI and actual humans. They did an interview with him and published it as a blog post. The other story they did was about a guy named Robin Sloan. Who's a sci-fi writer. He's based here in the, in the Bay Area. And he did this awesome thing where, you know, he built a bot that helps him, that helped him write, essentially. Um, and the way it works is he could start a sentence. And if he's stuck or just wants a, a, a sideways idea that he wouldn't think of on his Basically, own. Basically, he starts of, typing in a little editor. This black box on his screen that kind of looks like a code editor. And when he got stuck or wanted some new ideas, he'd hit a command. And the program would then try to complete the sentence. It mostly proposed nonsense, to be honest, but that's the nature of these early technologies. They're pretty raw still, and they get better the more they're used and collect data over time. And so we have a demo on the blog of him um, co-writing just a couple of paragraphs with the bot. And it just gives you a really kind of visual, visceral sense of, of how a piece of technology that, that, you know, that he originated and that he made can actually come back to further his, his creativity. And in the end, he has full control of the bot, right? The bot, (laughs) the bot is not controlling him. So, um, you know, those were two top of funnel pieces of content that we created. And again, we published those on the Slack blog, but you can think about um, ways that we would, you know, we could further that narrative across different channels and drive that, that theme of humans and, and bots coexisting. For example, they could interview an expert from Slack about AI, which would then make the reader more aware of and maybe even impressed by Slack itself. Or maybe people aren't ready yet to hear about Slack. Maybe that's too far down the proverbial funnel. So in between their original two stories, they might begin to then focus the topic of AI on their blog. Going from those two stories about how AI will affect work to then talking about how AI is affecting internal work communication, Slack's world, to then talking about how AI affects chat, a Slack feature, and so forth. 
by starting with a defined angle on a broad story, they separate from all the noise. By then moving that story from broad to more specific and more specific still, they can march a reader over time, piece by piece, towards their product. And Slack is great at doing this, all because they started by hiring writers before they hired any traditional marketers on their content team. Do you see any advantages to having started that way? Well, gosh, we just have like a wealth of content <laughs> for people <laughs> to distribute and adapt and package. I don't know. I guess you could you could call this the more holistic approach, but I'm not sure, you know, it was <laughs> actually, you know, entirely intentional. I think right. we had a had a strength and we had a brand identity that we chose to build out first and then we would figure out the work of of of, of using that to, to convert people through the well, funnel. I think it's, bit. I think it's totally logical. Like you guys, it's a lot easier to make a well-built rocket fly than a rocket that's like duct taped together and doesn't have the right fuel and the, the parts are all wrong inside, but whatever, we'll throw on a different coat of paint and tell people that it's better. Like most marketing organizations, most organizations in general put brand well behind immediate customer acquisition and they put editorial sound storytelling and resonance below absolute reach. And you guys started with the things that are more foundational and, and you have an actual rocket ship as a result. I just don't actually understand like what your job is as a, as a content marker if you're so distribution and, and um, conversion focused, but you think about the story or the content second, right? Like I think, you know, to be honest, like, I think that when it comes to kind of really nailing your brand identity through voice and tone and really high quality, high impact storytelling, the business of getting it out there to have its impact is, I don't want to say it's straightforward, because it's still hard to optimize and get the results that you want. But, you know, I think a company like Slack that values authenticity, and, um, you know, it would just make sense for us to take this more foundational approach. So Julie seems super nice. So let me be the bad guy here. It's never been easier to vomit your company's junk all over the world. The hard thing, the rare thing, is to make something people actually want to receive from you. I also think it's just harder to stand out. I mean, think about how much is out there and how much information and advertising people are consuming on a daily basis. Like, again, like I don't think tweaking in a distribution approach um, is going to solve the major problem that many, many brands have, B2C or B2B, in um, standing apart from the field. A, a lot of how we caught on and had such viral growth in our first couple of years was due to the fact that we had this human, relatable, clear, concise, and human voice on the other end of the line that 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 people could recognize and relate to, and whom customers knew would you know res respond to their each and every concern. So, in a way, I understand that it's unconventional. I think from a from a from a marketing perspective, but on the other hand, it's just like been the natural and sensible evolution for Slack. You can use a hook or a donut. You can have a clear, concise, and human tone of voice, or something a bit more sappy and emotional. Not like anybody I know. Or you can talk about something old, or maybe something new. 
You can deliver it through a blog post, a podcast, a video, a social network. Look, you won't suddenly become the fastest growing company of all time by focusing more of your time and effort on experience or story. But if you ask me, the best case scenario if you don't emphasize that stuff is average. Is it easy to care more about the insides of what you create? No, of course not. It's easier to make and ship junk, to print more containers on a conveyor belt, because you write to market, you write to sell something, instead of writing to make people feel. A great way to do both, by the way. But in a world where it's never been easier to be average, the smart move, the safe move, and the move most likely to work not only for your own fulfillment, but for your actual results, just so happens to be the right move too. Start with the stuff inside.